Welcome to the All Things Work podcast from the Society for Human Resource Management. I'm your host, Tony Lee, Head of Editorial Operations here at SHRM. Thank you for joining us. All Things Work is an audio adventure during which we talk with thought leaders and tastemakers to give you an insider's perspective on all things work. Well, today we're talking about remote work, a very popular topic in the age of COVID-19. And as you may notice, this week's show might sound a little bit different than usual, and that's because I'm working remotely myself, away from the Sherm Podcast Recording Studio. And uh, so is our guest today, Marianne Snow. Marianne is the CEO and founder of Sophia and Remote Nation, two companies that are devoted to enabling productive remote work. Marianne's a remote work expert, providing organizations with practical, actionable steps for launching and maintaining remote work, as well as work from home and dispersed team programs. Marianne's a former senior executive in the international finance world and a longtime successful remote team leader. And while technology is an important part of remote work, she focuses on the human side of the equation, enabling productivity through smart talent management, strong leadership skills, and and up-to-date professional development. So there's really not a better time, Marianne, for us to be talking about remote work. So welcome to All Things Work. I'm excited to be here, Tony. Thanks so much for giving us the opportunity to talk with your folks. Absolutely. Well, you know, we get a lot of questions and have been getting a lot of questions from members, from readers in the last few weeks. I guess the number one question I hear is, how do we trust our workers to be productive if we can't see them? Which seems kind of silly, but we're still getting that question. Yeah, it's kind of interesting in today's age because we work in situations where we have dispersed teams and we have groups of people who are coming together on complex problems, right? Complex projects. And they're coming from multiple disciplines and those sorts of things. But I I think what it really boils down to is deliverables are a big concern and consideration for anybody in business today. And so that ability to be able to show progress and to demonstrate that deliverables and and also key performance indicators, those KPIs are being met, are always going to be a priority. When you're in a remote work situation, if you have a dispersed team or a virtual team, a non-co-located team, so they don't physically sit together, ironically, there's no difference in the sense that whether you are sitting in the same room or whether you're sitting far away, you're going to measure based on something quite simple, which is deliverables. So setting expectations up front doesn't change. Making sure that people understand their roles and responsibility doesn't change. Making sure that they deliver on the agreed upon key performance indicators are really, really important. And those don't change. But what does change is really kind of your mindset in relation to what are you going to measure in terms of behaviors when you're thinking about somebody who's remote? Because collaboration is different when you're doing remote work. Communication is different when you're doing remote work. How you interact with your folks, how you provide help and guidance, uh, how you culturally interact, these things are different. So mostly what you have to do is you have to shift how you construct those KPIs to start. And then you have to have to make sure that you are communicating those expectations up front so everyone understands the new rules of the road. 
Well, it makes perfect sense. And that's actually a great segue to the other question or another question we hear a lot, which is, okay, I know how to manage people in my office because I have my one-on-ones. I can sit with them. I can see their facial expressions, their body language. I can reach out to someone and say, I need this in the next 10 minutes. Can you please do it? How do I manage a remote staff? And it sounds like establishing KPIs at the beginning is kind of the way to go, right? It's really interesting to me because, you know, as somebody who's worked in dispersed environments, probably the majority of my career, I find it interesting that people assume that it just because they can see someone that they're productive. And and the reality is, is that is that managing virtual teams or dispersed teams or work from home teams in some ways is is no harder than managing teams in general. I think that people management, leading teams and folks is tough, whether you've got them in the same room or not. And the assumption that that because someone is visible that they're doing what they should or that they're highly productive is a fallacy. I think that, you know, we can sit in an office and we can look at people who are not meeting those job expectations now, even though they're physically present. And I think assuming that just because they're out of the office that they're not working productively is also counterproductive because of course there will be people who aren't meeting expectations virtually, but there's a whole bunch of remote professionals who are highly productive, highly intelligent, highly capable. And so I think the assumption when you're leading remote teams, if you start with the assumption that that people are going to come to the table and they're going to do their best, you're going to give them the benefit of the doubt is the first and crucial critical step. And the second piece is define what the expectations are and communicate them up front. Because if somebody's going to be out of your line of sight, then making sure that you're both on the same page as to what you're going to hold people accountable to is a very critical thing. But it's also critical on the employee end because it's hard for them to know what's expected of them if you don't tell them up front because they can't read your mind. Sure. And then, you know, the next piece of it is is really block and tackle leadership, right? Where now you're going to hold people accountable based on something that's grounded in reality. Those job expectations, those cultural values, the, the core behaviors that you've discussed. And if you do that, that's a, a great way to start. Yeah. Now, if you are a smaller business that perhaps doesn't have you know policies in place, maybe doesn't have a structure in place for remote work, sure, people have worked remotely because they were sick or what have you, but now you're actually creating something for the entire workforce to go. Would you recommend creating a written policy? Would you recommend training of managers on how to manage a remote team? I mean, what do you think the first step should be? I think the first step is really kind of coming up with some sort of remote work agreement for people. Something that is, it's not an indictment, it's not a gotcha contract, but it's actually something that says, listen, we're in this situation together and let's put down some key expectations and let's put down some some key components to what it means for you to be at home and as your boss, here's what I agree to, too. So it's not just, all right, employee, here are all the things we're going to hold you accountable to. But it also is, 
as your team leader, as your boss, as your, your small business owner, here are the things that I agree to do. And I think that this is really important because there are some critical components to working from home, working at a distance that are just different. First of all, if you don't have Wi-Fi access, so if you don't have the technical accessibility to be able to, to access stuff, that's going to be a problem for you. Right. And then also resource accessibility. Do you have access to the files you need to be able to do your job? the apps that you need to be able to do your jobs. And, and also, if you need to talk to decision makers, can you get to them? So that agreement up front is really important because then you can hammer out some of the logistics, right? When are you available? How are you going to conduct your work? How are you going to communicate to me? How are you going to meet your deliverables, but also deliver the goods, right? Are we talking about file sharing? What are some of the technical protocols that you need? Need to take care of. It feels like a lot of this is falling on company IT departments, which may or may not be well equipped, again, depending on company size, to, to have workers equipped so that they can function as well as maintain cybersecurity, you know, and not download files to their home computers that they shouldn't or have access left open. It, where does IT fit in? Well, I think that, you know, the tools in some ways, I always say to people, you got to be in some ways tools agnostic, right? Because really you can come into a remote work situation and whatever the technical environment that exists in your company, that's what you got to work with. And so when we're coming in right at this point with a crisis situation where people are experiencing very rapid workplace shutdowns, there are very specific things that we ask people to think about upfront. And in workplaces that are Office 365 enabled, those particular offices are dealing with virtual desktops. And so it's really kind of just a, a question of, can I get into my virtual desktop from whatever device I have at a distance. And, you know, if we're talking about small businesses that may not have laptops for people available, then are there ways that they can get their hands on a couple of laptops for their key critical people so that those laptops can be loaded with the necessary IT things that would allow them to be able to access critical things. So they can do things like, can we get a payroll run? Can we do some of the basic functions? And can we do it in ways, can we pay bills? Can we collect revenue? Can we um, do invoicing? You know, those sorts of things. And I think that that's important. But the other thing too, is I think that it's never been easier to work remotely. And your company, regardless of how small it is, somebody probably does some remote work already. And so how do you think about some of the practices that already exist? Because you've already assumed those risks because you're already engaging in those practices. So whether it's using personal cell phones for business purposes, whether it's you've already got laptops in the hands of your employees, those sorts of things, then how do you leverage that part first? And then once you've done that, then take the next step. And if you need to acquire some relatively inexpensive laptops and and then really come up with a game plan for how those business critical functions work, that's a, a step in the right direction. Yeah. 
you know, I, I've seen statistics, and I think we may have quoted them in some of the articles we've we've written on this topic, that, you know, the typical employee in a physical location is productive, you know, maybe half the day. You know, they may spend half their time actually focused on work, and the other half is socializing with colleagues, which is fine, right? I mean, part of the work life, and and probably a little time on social media and, and whatever, maybe shopping <laughs> now and then, whatever it is. So the question is, when that employee moves remotely, does that continue? I mean, I think that might be part of the manager's fear, that they think they're more productive at work, as you said, and they'll be less productive at home. But then again, I think I've seen research, and maybe you have too, that people are actually more productive when they work at home. They've cut out the commuting time, and maybe they feel a little pressure to work more. I don't know. Where do you think there? You know, our experience, and this is, first of all, as somebody who's engaged in this type of work for a really long time, and and also I have literally interviewed hundreds of remote professionals worldwide, people who engage in this types of work. We work with organizations like Amica Insurance. We work with, we've worked with Fidelity. We work with major universities. And and in all of those particular circumstances, here's what we found. What we found is that great employees are great employees regardless of where they work. And um, for folks who are transitioning to a work from home situation or a remote work situation, as long as they have the requisite skills, and we're talking about things like uh, self self-direction, that ability to self-initiate, organizing your schedule, time management, you know, those sorts of things, they're going to be successful. Those individuals are going to be successful wherever they work. Now, there's an, a period of adjustment and there's there are different skills. So working remotely and working from home requires some different approaches and some different professional development. And you should be building that into your plan as you go through this. And so if you're not getting your people connected to good resources that understand this environment, that's going to be a problem for you because you're going to lose time there. But to your point, question, you know, to your point, Tony, you know, that that issue of of what do the numbers say? The numbers say that generally speaking, folks who are working from home are actually producing more than folks who are working in an office and that office workers can be up to 44% less productive than people who are working from home or working from remote locations. Yeah. Well, that's those are great stats to have. Now, let's continue on that thought. So you have the very productive workers but you do lose some of the social aspect of the job. Are there things that companies should be doing to encourage those social aspects so that it's not, you know, 100% nose to the grindstone? Oh gosh, yeah, definitely. And and this really speaks to the to the pivot that leaders have to make in terms of how you manage a remote workforce. And there's a big difference because leaders who are in these circumstances need to be they kind of have to function like mission control. They have to be the people who are who are thinking broad-based about all the folks that they are responsible for and and getting to know them on a human level. And I think that's a, a key component to remote work and, and managing remote organizations effectively, keeping people engaged, keeping people healthy and also just really kind of checking in with them is remember at the core, remote employees are, are people. 
And in a workplace, if you notice that someone's upset, you probably pull them aside and sit down and speak with them and and comfort them in some ways or connect with them and, and get them the resources that they need. If you have a remote employee, you have to do the same thing, but you're going to do it differently. So remote leaders need to be good mission control folks that marshal their forces by setting up clear touch points with them. And we're talking about routine status updates. We're talking about living in multi-channel environments where you can send somebody an instant message. You can send somebody an email. You can send somebody a text or you could set up video conferencing technology. There's lots, again, if you're in an Office 365 environment, there's Teams, there are other options. And and in those circumstances, you get everybody together face-to-face and you still got people in the room. So you call people by their name and you check in with them and make sure they're okay. And you learn to evaluate their mental state based on different kinds of indicators. You might not be able to see their face, but you might hear the way that they're responding to an email and and sense a, a change in their work process or their tone of voice and things. And, and that's a moment where you have to have to be very sensitive to those indicators and you're going to reach out to people, follow up with them and check in with them and make sure they're okay. Show them you care. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I was talking to a college professor who's now being forced to teach classes virtually. And he said that it's a completely different experience because physically in the classroom, it's a whole bunch of bodies, and he doesn't really connect with one or another until they come up and speak with him, perhaps after class or in office time. Now he's got everyone using their own laptop cameras so that he has a screen full of faces, and he can actually see people reacting, and you know he can tell when someone's puzzled and not quite getting it. Remote work really offers some interesting opportunities, doesn't it? Well, it's interesting for me because um, two weeks ago, I have a, a very dear friend who's a professor at the University of Tampa, and she's uh, she teaches organizational behavior. And she had contacted me and she said, you know, geez, I would love to have you do a guest lecture. And um, this is with uh, a group of 20 um, students. She has three sec- sections. And we literally did a remote uh, session. We did all three classes. We had all three groups and, and we had a blast. And I will tell you that part of what you're learning in these environments is if you're the person who is the, the leader, leader who's organizing these events is appreciate they need to be moderated differently. They need to be executed differently. You need to look uh, for people, you need to call their names, you need to tell them how to, what the etiquette is for these forums, how to get into a conversation, how to go out of a conversation. And these are lessons that are going to be really helpful in that remote work environment in the future because video conferencing or audio conferencing requires a different approach. And frankly, I think we've conducted really bad conference calls for a really long time. And I think this is a really great opportunity to change how we're doing that so we can be more effective and add that body language back in, which is a much more rich form of communication by adding video because now people can't multitask and they're coming into the conversation with a visual. And I think that's really powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
All right, we've got time for, for one last question that I want to ask you about uh, that we're hearing a lot of. So folks who are remote, obviously they're juggling families, they're juggling spouses or partners. But the thing that seems to be taking the greatest toll is even extremely productive workers can get caught up in the news of what's going on. And, you know, they'll turn on a CNN and be gone for two hours, you know, and there's probably some mental health issues. You know, people get depressed and people get uh, frustrated and have high anxiety. You know, what kind of help should companies be thinking about offering there? It's really interesting to me because I, I want you to think about if you were in an organization that was experiencing some of the stuff that think after 9-11 or some of the Katrina, some of the other terrible things that have happened that have really created a, a lot of anxiety in the workplace, right? The recession. Are we going to downsize? Aren't we going to downsize? Those sorts of things. And I was managing I was managing both dispersed teams that had some people sitting together and then also people remotely. And there's some real consistency here, which is you got to keep people informed, right? The first thing that you got to do to make sure that your teams are healthy, regardless if they're in the building or, or if they're dispersed or they're working from home is you got to have a, a, a clear internal and external communication protocol that will allow you to be able to both give your people really good information, but also be able to, to let them know that you're the spokesperson for your company so that, first of all, they're not just hearing what's happening in the organization and, and how the, the organization is reacting to the world, but they're also hearing you message to the external world what's happening with the company as well so that there's consistency there, right? And I think that that's really important, getting information, making sure that there's a clear communication protocol that will allow information to be able to flow back and forth. I think it's also important from an emotional support point of view that people, your troops, the, the folks who are working from their home, have someone to talk to that, that they can express their concerns or frustrations or anxiety to so that that information can also flow back up because it's hard for a business owner, it's hard for a senior executive team to be able to make assumptions about their workforce if they're out of the office, although I would argue even if they're in an office, unless they are in touch with them, unless they're having contact with them so that they know what the concerns are, but also so that they know what the, the challenges are. It's hard to supply resources or allocate resources or be helpful or, or those sorts of things unless somebody's actually talking to folks in those situations and they're bubbling that information back up. And then the other piece is that the thing we were talking about before, touch points, right? Your leader, so important, making sure that they are mission controlled, they're in touch with their people, they're connecting with their people, they're setting up multiple channel touch points to, to connect with folks in multiple, multiple different ways. But I would also say that there is an important role for peers in this environment where it can't just be coming through one person. So the leader is important, but it's also important that peer-to-peer networking is set up so that you've got kind of a work button who's checking in on you and and that person is knows that you're the go-to person so that there's a lot of camaraderie both on a small individual scale but also in a small group scale so there's different ways to set up very clear mentoring situations but also peer to peer situations 
so that information can flow better, so that other people can alert a leader when somebody is struggling because they may be uncomfortable talking about it. So that there's multiple ways to get information back and forth. That, that's great. Well, Marianne, this is, this is wonderful information. I'll, I'll just share with listeners really quick that at Sherm, uh, we use Slack for interpersonal communication. We use WebEx for remote meetings, and we love both. But I'm sure there are many good tools out there that many folks can use. Without a doubt. And I would also say, Tony, sorry to interrupt mm -hmm. you, but I just wanted to, to say that tools like Slack, the Microsoft Suite, Zoom, there's Google Hangouts. If if you're a really teeny little, little um, small business, then don't worry about it. There's cost-effective things that you can use for free. So you don't even have to pay anything for them. Yep. No, it's wonderful. And in fact, it, and if you're running that business and don't know which one to use, ask your employees. They'll tell you because <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're using them. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of All Things Work. An enormous thank you to Marianne Snow for joining me and, and talking about remote work. Now, before we get out of here, I just want to encourage everyone to subscribe to this podcast on, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. And while you're at it, be sure to give us a five-star rating and leave a review. And also, be sure to check out Sherm on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can find all of our episodes and more podcasts on our website at sherm.org slash podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on All Things Work.